Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. We are on location once again live from the 2018 Winter NAM Show in Anaheim, California at the Anaheim Convention Center and specifically at the Tascam booth. My thanks to Tascam for having me out here for the second year in a row at the NAM Show. And my thanks to today's guest, from Oklahoma, Emily Faith. Hi. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. Is this your first NAM show? Yes, it is. I'm really, really excited. Outstanding. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but before we get too far away from it, I'd like to have you tell the listeners about the song of yours that we were just playing called Old Guitar. Yes, so Old Guitar is one that I wrote in Nashville with a producer named Zach Malloy. Uh, he's signed to Warner Music Group. And he is absolutely incredible. And one of my favorite artists right now is Chris Stapleton. And I was like, I really want to write a song that's in Chris Stapleton's style, but for a female. Because we haven't heard anything like that recently. And, uh, and so we came up with this idea that was like, you know, it's just very simple. And that people want all these amazing and expensive things. But all I need is this guitar and music. And so that's where that idea came from, and then it just turned into a song. So two questions in follow-up. Number one is, how did you get connected with him? And number two is, do you go back and forth to Nashville? So I met Zach at a Oklahoma Songwriters Festival, ah. and he brought in two songwriters, uh, me and then another girl from Oklahoma, and he paired us each up with two different songwriters from Nashville that are top-line writers. And so I got to write with both Zach and Clint Lagerberg, who just wrote Blue Ain't Your Color for Keith Urban, which was pretty cool. <laughs> and so I wrote with them, and then Zach, he wanted to continue working with me. And so now I travel back and forth to Nashville quite often, and I write with him, and I record, and he produces a lot of my music. But the initial writing that you first referred to, did that take place in Oklahoma, or that was in Nashville also? That was in Oklahoma. Okay, okay. Uh, so when you say that you're going back and forth to Nashville, once a month, uh, every other month, how often do you think it seems that you're going there now? Well, right now, at the least, we go back every other month, and we're trying to just continue it even more, and just so I can continue my writing and continue my knowledge of music. Now, are you homeschooled or you're... I, I am homeschooled. Okay. I do all of my school online. It's just easier so I can travel and focus on different things. Absolutely. Well, we had a similar discussion uh, two weeks ago on episode 213, the guest was Caroline Dare, who is all of 16 years old. If you don't mind my asking, they say you shouldn't ask a, a girl her age, but in this case, I think it's probably part of the story. <laughs> I'm 15 years old. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And listeners, wait until you hear, as we go through this interview, wait until you hear all that all that she has accomplished already. Emily just said she's only 15, and you're not going to believe her, because when we go through this interview and you hear how much she's already accomplished, does it ever kind of make you stop and say, yeah, I, I even find it hard to believe myself that I've done as much as I have at 15. Oh, there has been a couple times, you know, <laughs> I'll get that phone call that you would say, you know, you're going to be going out on tour with the Newsboys in spring of 2017. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's kind of hard to believe. But at the same time, it it's very... Um, 
it's very cool for me to hear that everything that I've been working towards is it's paying off and it's getting me closer to where I want to be in music. So you grew up performing on the local Opry stages in Oklahoma and Texas. Personally, I'm wondering if if one of those was uh, the Rodeo Opry in Oklahoma City by chance. Yes, I perform there all the time. I, that's where I started when I was about six years old, and I've been performing there ever since. Okay, well, I had a, a client that that I got the opportunity for her to to perform there. Um, so, uh, you know, I've I've been to that venue myself. Um, but you, you started branching out and, and exploring a lot of different. Uh, musical genres and you kind of develop what you feel is is your own style tell the listeners about that so over the years i've really kind of tried to decide what kind of genre do i want to go in and i've always came back to country it's my roots it's where i'm from and so i always like to add a little bit of style to it and you know It'll have a little bit of pop in there, and I love to add some blues, especially on my vocals in there in the recording studio. It's just so much fun, and sometimes on a, on a couple of my songs, you'll hear a little bit of rock and roll, too. <laughs> <laughs> is this all, um, you know, finding your way through it, or is it, I was listening to country music from the time I was three years old. You know, what was what, what kind of drew you to country other than, like you say, I mean, certainly Oklahoma and Texas, that's the dominant genre but at the same time, you know, freedom of choice. You could have picked something else. Was it, Were you always around country music? Yeah, that's what I grew up on, you know, just listening to the radio and hearing about different concerts that would come into town. It was always country artists, and um, I've always loved it. It's just been my passion ever since I can remember, and it's, it's where I want to be. So take us through the timeline, you know, getting started in terms of, singing and playing guitar and and songwriting also kind of you know what came first what came second and and at what point in your life in your life did you start doing each of these so when I was about five uh there was a just a small competition that came to my hometown and I was so so shy I wouldn't even go to my grandparents and uh I I wanted to enter the competition and my mom and dad were like oh there's no way you're way too shy you're not gonna do that And so I came home crying from school one day, and I said, I really, really want to do this. And they said, all right, whatever. And so they put me in a little flower girl dress, and I sang the only song I knew, which was Jesus Loves Me. And that's where I found my passion for music was when I first stepped out on that stage, and I just sang my little heart out. (laughs) (laughs) And then as I grew older, you know, I just performed on the Opry's, and then I started venturing into songwriting. I was having some issues at school with some girls teasing me, and... uh, I wrote this song called Mean Girls, and that was really where I noticed that songwriting could be an outlet for me to write down feelings that I couldn't really put into words. And so that's where I figured out how much songwriting was going to mean to me in the future. And then after that, maybe a year or two later, that's when I started playing guitar and pianoists, and I started picking up those instruments. Did you ever find at any point, and, and maybe you still do now because you are only 15, that as in love with it as you were, did you ever find that you had a hard time convincing people, take me serious, this is what I'm pursuing? I think I did a little bit, um, especially when I was going to school. You know, people, they would treat me differently because I had different focuses. And I was very, very focused on my music because I had already planned out my future. I already knew what I wanted to do. And whereas so many kids my age, they aren't quite sure where they want to go yet in their future. And 
I was sure of that when I was in fourth grade. And so growing up, that was really difficult for other people to understand. And I think the only people who I didn't have that hard time with was other kids that performed and they had that same interest and that same hunger for music. And so that was really, um, it, it, it affected me a couple times, but ever since I haven't had any issues with it at all. So as the music is getting louder around us, it brings <laughs> me back to the question of, you started to talk about this being your first NAM. What is a girl from Oklahoma doing out in California at the NAM show? Well, uh, we applied so that I could play, and I got in. <laughs> and, um, you know, while I'm out here, I've been having several meetings with Disney, and that's been so cool. It's been so much fun to work with them and uh, get to know them a little better. And uh, just coming out here and, you know, first walking into this convention center, it's, it's like a performer and a musician's candy store. You know, you walk in and you're like, oh, my gosh, I just want to look at everything and I want to touch everything and play everything. And so it's so cool to be out here. And I'm, I'm so happy and I'm so grateful. But, but you will be performing or maybe you did already as a part of NAM, Yes, I will be performing over at the Marriott stage uh, tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And so what will that look like? Is it just you and a guitar on stage? Yes, so for the first half of my set, it will just be me and my guitar. And then I have another guitarist coming in to uh, play on the second set. Okay, and is that the case? Uh, I'll say back home, we'll, we'll leave Nashville aside, but in Oklahoma, if you're performing somewhere, is it usually just you or do you have the other guitar player with you also? Well, back home, I do have my own band. So depending on what the venue is asking for, sometimes it'll just be me playing an acoustic set and sometimes it'll be with my live band. Okay. And is it uh, where you're to the point where you could do a, a three-hour show loaded with cover songs or what, 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 does your, what does your live show sound like these days? Well, again, it kind of depends on what the show is calling for. If it is a festival and they want a mixture of covers and originals, I can do a several hours, uh, several hours wow. show wow. And with my band and be just fine. Um, and then sometimes it'll be just an hour acoustic set, and they'll want all originals, and I have that material as well. And at 15, you're not intimidated at all by a three-hour booking? No. <laughs> That's outstanding. That's outstanding. And, and obviously, NAM, um, it's something that you pursued. So do, do, do you have any fear of anything as it relates to continuing ahead in the music business? I don't. Music is something that has always been my biggest passion. And I absolutely love it. And it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And whatever it takes to get there, I'm willing to do it. Yeah, I would imagine that there's probably others back home that if you told them I have to go out to California there's this thing called the NAM show and you probably get your eyes all big and smiling talking about it they're probably <laughs> looking at you like what is that like why don't you just want to go to the mall or to the movies this weekend I don't understand oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's uh it's definitely different because some people they don't really understand they're like wait but why would you want to go sing when you can you know go have a sleepover sleepover with your friends or something and I'm like well when you love something as much as I do, it, it, it's kind of hard not to go out and do that thing. So That first Jesus Loves Me song has to be the old Jesus Loves Me song. It's, I'm, because Chris Tomlin's Jesus Loves Me hasn't been around long enough for you to have sung it 10 <laughs> oh, years ago. No. <laughs> that was the original. <laughs> well, so on, a, so on a related Christian note, since you brought it up uh, before a little bit, um, tell the listeners about this 50-city uh, 
That's five zero listeners, fifty city nationwide tour that you were a part of with the Newsboys uh, a year ago. Yeah, so that was very, very exciting. I was a part of the opening act. We were a group called The Rivals. And um, I'm not sure if any of you out there have seen the movie God's Not Dead, but uh, we did the musical version of that. And so we had dancers, and we had dialogue, and we had a full-blown musical. And uh, it was on stage, and we performed right before the Newsboys, and it was so incredible to get to live in that experience at such a young age. It was incredible. And approximately what size was the cast? Uh, We had about 10 people in the cast, including dancers. Wow. So it was very, very small. Was there a learning opportunity along the way about, say, the different aspects of the touring business? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I got to work hand in hand with the tour managers and with the uh, with the riggers and uh, with the sound guys and with the crew who actually would build and put up the sets every day and take them down every night. And I also got to work with the other performers around me. And it was it was so cool to be able to watch everything happen and to know, okay, this person does this. This person has this job. And I think one of the coolest things was watching the riggers because, you know, in the middle of a show, one of the lights could go out and you'll just see them just climbing up the, climbing up the stage and climbing up the big walls of lights and cameras. And, and with one hand, they'll be holding on to the railing. And then with the other one, they'll like change the light bulbs in and out. And it was so cool. And it would be like no big deal for them. That was probably my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then let's go the other way with that. Instead of your favorite part, because people hear stories like this and they go, wow, 15 years old and she got to go on this 50-city tour with the Newsboys. But there's a part of it that it's you know it's just like when you talk to someone that's been touring for years and years and years, and they'll tell you the road isn't that glamorous. It's not as great as it sounds. So you just describe what your favorite part was. What was probably the part of it that you say, eh, it was fun, but... Well, I do have to say that the tour buses were very, very cramped. (laughs) We had about 15 to 20 people on each bus. And, you know, you would sleep in a bunk that it was like living in a coffin, pretty much, because, you know, it was pitch black. It was very, very confined. And, you know, whenever you would get up in the morning, you would have to travel through different cabins of the bus. People were sleeping. Doors would creak, and you would try it to be as quiet as possible. And then, you know, trying to get your luggage up from under the bus so you can go inside. And just finding your dressing room, sometimes it wasn't the nicest. Sometimes you were in a hockey arena, and it was one of the visitors' uh, locker rooms that you had to, you know, get ready for the show in and everything. But it was... It was still really cool to experience that. And even though it was confined and cramped, it was so much fun. And what was the age range of the of the nine other cast members? They weren't all 15, right? No, they were not. I was the youngest. Uh, the next was 19. And then I think the oldest was about 45, 50. So it was a big age range for okay. our cast. But in your case, you were probably 14 at yes. the time. So being a minor did... You have to have a parent, quote-unquote, on tour with you? Yeah, so my parents, there wasn't any room for them to travel with me on the opening act bus. And so they actually bought an RV, and they followed behind me because I had to get my schoolwork done and everything. And, you know, we would drive to a different uh, site so that way we could stay in Nashville. And so I would ride with them on the last night of that week of tour, and then I would drive with them to head back to our campsite. And um, it was it was very 
it was a very big learning experience for not only me, but for them, especially with an RV. <laughs> uh, let's just say there was many, many, many pit stops to <laughs> RV shops that, you know, I would wake up in the morning and their bus wouldn't be there. And I would call my mom and I would be like, hey, where are you guys at? And she'd be like, oh, we had to stop by an RV stop just to figure out we didn't push the right button or something. And um, so it, it was a big learning experience, not only for me, but for them as well. Wow. wow. That's a- that's some of the stuff that goes on that, that people don't know about. How did you get this opportunity in the first place to even be in the cast? Yeah, so I was working with uh, one of the Newsboys' biggest writers. Uh, his name was Juan Otero. And uh, I worked with him several years ago. And uh, I'd written some songs with him, and he'd produced some of the tracks. And uh, I had been doing all this theater and dance and acting and voice lessons just to keep up my training in several different areas. And he saw that and he contacted me and said, hey, I'm putting this group together and I think you would be perfect for this role. And so he said, yeah, let's give it a shot. And as it turned out, it was opening a 50 city tour for the Newsboys. So it was absolutely incredible how that worked out. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if you're in a band and a guitar string breaks during a performance, the show must go on. At a show that had a huge crowd, I saw a group stand around on stage and wait until the guitar situation got rectified. It actually dragged out longer than it should have, and the two singers could have very easily talked to the crowd or just moved on performing since they play instruments too. Don't give people a reason to walk away from one of your shows saying, yeah, it was good, but... And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Listeners, I'm talking today with Emily Faith, a singer-songwriter from Oklahoma. Do check her out online at emilyfaith.org. And, of course, she is on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. The list goes on. Her music can be found on Reverb Nation as well as SoundCloud, which, as you know, is one of the platforms that the show is available on. And do purchase her music. It's available on iTunes and on Spotify. For our show, just go to nhte.net, and there are icons that you can click on there to engage with us on social media Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. This is amazing. The list The list goes on. You also became a featured artist on Radio Disney. Yes, I have. Now, is that um, just kind of having your songs played by them? Do they interview you on there? 
just elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, so I went on to do an interview last spring with Radio Disney Country, and they interviewed me, and they also uh, have been playing one of my songs on their uh, radio. So that was really cool to have one of my songs featured. And the interview that you did with them, was it over the phone? Was it over Skype? Was it in person? It was in person at their actual studio here in Los Angeles, California. Oh, wow, wow. And do you, do you know how that came to be in the first place? Well, over the last two years, I've had a few meetings with Disney, and um, I met with one of the uh, Radio Disney representatives, and uh, while we were on the tour, uh, we said, hey, we have this tour, we're coming through, Oak- we're coming through California, and uh, do you want us to do an interview? And they said, yeah, sure, we'd love to have you, and they put me on the air, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Outstanding. And some other great opportunities, listeners, that Emily has had, you've opened shows for I'm going to mention a couple artists, Marty Stewart, Sawyer Brown, Brian White. But here's the cool one. President George W. Bush. Yes. <laughs> What's the story there? Well, I was about six years old. And um, I one of my favorite songs to sing is God Bless the USA. And I was, I was six years old and I would always curl my hair and I looked like Shirley Temple. And whenever I would perform that song, I had a red dress that I would wear, a red bow to put my hair, and red cowboy boots. That was my outfit for that song. And uh, we posted a video of me doing it on YouTube, and somehow the president saw it, and um, and we got this phone call from um, one of someone he worked with, and um, he said the president is coming to Woodward, Oklahoma, to speak. Um, along with a couple of other bands that are going to perform after him. And um, he saw your daughter's video of her singing God Bless the USA, and it teared on his heartstrings, and uh, he would love to have her come and sing before he speaks to the crowd in Woodward. And uh, they said, but the only thing is, is can you be in Woodward in a couple hours to get your security checks and your fingerprints done? And we were like... Sure. And so we headed to Woodward that second, and we got all that done. And then the next day or two, we were in Woodward. And the next thing you know, I was I was meeting President George W. Bush, and I was singing before he came on. So. And I imagine shook his hand, got a picture with him. Yes, definitely. It was so cool to meet him and his <laughs> wife. <laughs> wow, that's that's really cool. That's 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 something that not too many people can say that they did. You know, <laughs> is, is sing for a president. Some more recognizable places. I, again, I was mentioning some names there before the former president, but some actual venues that you performed at. Tootsie's, the Bluebird Cafe, uh, South by Southwest, House of Blues, Loretta Lynn's Ranch, Six Flags, and Disneyland here here in California. Again, that's kind of going back to the beginning where I said, do you ever stop and say, I can't believe it myself, that, I mean, that list that I just r- rattled off there, Tootsie's, the Bluebird Cafe, South by Southwest, House of Blues, Loretta Lynn's Ranch, Six Flags, and Disneyland. That's tremendous. Yeah, those places were so much fun to play at. I think my favorite has probably been the Bluebird, just because it's so, so, so historic. And there's been so many people that have come through there that have, they came in to that cafe as just someone trying to make it in the business. And then the next thing you know, their songs are on radio and they're Loretta Lynn or Dolly Parton or somebody big and they've just blown up and it was so cool to walk into that and just know how historic it was and it was so cool to play there. Yeah and I believe that two weeks ago when I was interviewing Caroline Dare I I made a statement to the effect of 
you know, do you realize that here you've played at some of these places where people who are older than you and have been at it longer still haven't gotten to yet? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's something that you're proud of it, but you also kind of feel like, gosh, I don't know what to tell you. Keep working hard. And it's like, wait, I'm taking advice from a 15-year-old, you know, but then again, she's played there and I haven't. It's it's kind of a strange, yeah. strange balance to strike. Listeners, Emily was named the Oklahoma and North American Country Music Association's Vocalist and Entertainer of the Year for five consecutive years. Wow. Yeah. So that is a uh, competition in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And uh, I started going there when, whew, I don't know how old I was, um, but they had five categories, five genres, um, and there was old country, new country, old gospel, new gospel, and bluegrass. And I made it my goal after I won in bluegrass the first year that I was going to go back every year in a new category. And my goal was to win entertainer and vocalist in each category. And that fifth year, I I was crossing my fingers and I was praying to the Lord. I was like, Lord, please let me win this. This is my goal. And I I reached my goal. And so now it's time to reach to new, bigger, better plans. So when you talk about this is my goal, who is somebody maybe that that you look up to that, because, you know, there's obviously comparisons. People say, oh, do you think you're the next Carrie Underwood? Um, But I don't, I don't. I don't ask it in that way. I mean, is there someone that you kind of look at and say, this is sort of the path that I want to follow? Yeah, Carrie Underwood is one of my biggest idols. I love, love, love her. And just the way that I think one of the biggest things for me is that she was from Oklahoma, just a little small town, just like me. And she actually went on a TV show and she took a chance. And that's how she blew up is she took a chance, and that's something that I want to do. I just want to take a risk and have it lead somewhere good. And the way that she just can connect with her fans through concerts and through her music is so, so incredible. And the way that she tells stories, she's so incredible in the way that she can talk to her fans and performs for them and how much she cares. It's really, really amazing. And to be able to look up to someone like that, I've been very lucky to have a role model like her. But I'm interested in the fact that you look at her as a role model, yet you yourself say that I am determined to be a positive role model. And you talk about the standards that you set for yourself. So at only 15, you're already recognizing the fact that I need to be a role model as well. Yes. That's something that ever since I was younger, my parents have always taught me be very humble, always, always be thankful to people and just be a good role model, especially for the younger generation. And so I think that's something that I've taken to heart and through my music, throughout my performing, I and also throughout my writing, I have just always wanted to spread a positive message to be that light for some people who might need it um, and even for those who might not need it and um, I just want to be that role model that everyone needs and congratulations by the way uh, Emily was recently named the 2018 Miss Oklahoma City Bricktown's Outstanding Teen yes (laughs) that was very very exciting in your spare time it said that you might be found on a theater stage. I don't imagine that you even have spare time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, whenever I'm back home, uh, between schoolwork and everything, and when I'm not traveling back and forth to Nashville, I am a theater geek. I am proud to say it. <laughs> and, you know, I know the Hamilton musical by heart. It's so incredible. Lin-Manuel Miranda is a genius. Um, and, you know, I've performed in different musical shows like Annie and The Little Mermaid and Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and The Addams Family. So it's been very, very, very fun. And it's been an adventure all on its own. Well, and you would be interested in uh, even before when you were talking about the way that you would dress for singing God Bless the USA. Back on episode 167 of the show, it was recorded here at NAMM last year. My guest was Aileen Quinn, who played Annie in the 1982 film Annie. Oh, wow. She now fronts a band called Aileen Quinn and the Leapin' Lizards, appropriately enough. So listeners, if you never heard that interview, go back and check out episode 167. Emily, you've also performed the national anthem at numerous events, including the Oklahoma City Thunder Games and NASCAR. There's a lot of people that talk about the national anthem in terms of like, ah, it's no big deal. Everybody sings it all over the place, all over the country. But then people talk about the pressure that there is because everybody knows the lyrics to the national anthem. So you can't afford to screw up. But I wonder, do you find it to be good experience to perform in front of such huge crowds, regardless of the fact that it's just a two or two and a half minute song known as the national anthem? I think that performing the national anthem anywhere in front of any amount of crowd, it's very, very important because that song represents our America. It represents our country. It represents the people that are overseas that have fought in the past, in the present, and that will in the future. And it represents those people that have given their lives so that we can have freedom. And I think that no matter what kind of crowd you're in front of, if it's 10 million people or if it's just 30 people, I think that it is definitely something that should not be taken lightly because it is such a precious, precious song and it represents so much and it has so much importance, especially to me and my family. And I think that it's definitely something that is very, very important. But do you think that you'll rally around that and, and get on stage somewhere at some point and say, okay, self, hold on a minute. You got this. You've performed and you've done the national anthem in front of X thousand fans at an Oklahoma City Thunder game. You know, there's a hundred people here tonight. You'll be fine. I do think that there is that kind of security that, you know, whenever you've done it several, several times that you're like, okay, I know how to do this. I know how to do this respectfully. And, um, I, I, I know the words. <laughs> um, so I think that at a certain point you do get to the point where you are comfortable with singing it. And, um, it's, well, even just singing your own songs, you know, yeah. because there's, there's just the obvious stage fright that comes with getting on and just the, the pre-show butterflies. But if you can calm yourself down a little bit further and say, okay, sure, I'm going to be nervous. Everybody's nervous. Even Celine Dion still gets nervous. However, I've performed in front of crowds much bigger than this. I'll be all right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, usually there is, especially if it's a very, very, very big crowd, um, there's usually those pre-nerves. But then once you step on the stage, especially for me, once I get on the stage and I start singing it's just like okay i got this i'm ready <laughs> i'm about to sing for president george w bush but that's okay uh, by the way i should have mentioned before um speaking of presidents a uh, april diamond was my guest on episode 206 uh, go back and check that out she talked about performing at the white house we're almost out of time emily but i, I want to give you a chance to talk about the youtube video for tomorrow's world which has over 290,000 views in just 10 months <laughs> to, to what do you attribute the success of, of getting so many views on YouTube? Well, really, uh, that song, I, I wrote that song here in L.A. with a very good friend of mine. 
And it was during the election, and I was seeing all of the riots and everything going on. And it was so heartbreaking to me. And just the fact that that it was happening and that people were getting so, so upset and that they were burning the American flag, which was something that I was in the car and I was watching on my Snapchat story. And it was so, so heartbreaking to me because it's so disrespectful. And I took it to my friend and I said, I want to write about this. And so we did. And then we made that video for it. And, you know, we just post post videos regularly on YouTube. And, uh, you know, we never really expect it to go anywhere. But over time, it's just grown and it's got more and more views. So really just time is, is what uh, I'm thankful for it. Uh, thankful for growing those numbers is just time and you know I think the more people that watch it they redirect it to their friends and then those friends direct it to their friends and so uh, communication is another big one (laughs) and listeners certainly do check out a lot of the videos that she has on YouTube but also as I mentioned before her music is available Uh, a lot of singles that you've released on Spotify yes Songs such as Let Life In, Changing, um, it's probably about a good, uh, I think you have about eight songs on Spotify. Does that sound about right? I'd say so, yes. And I should also mention uh, episode 208, an interview that I did with Blake Morgan, who had a piece in the Huffington Post that was actually pulled, which talked about his closed-door meeting at Spotify and kind of the shouting match that resulted uh, at the end of that and just being kind of an advocate for artist rights and especially for uh, the way that Spotify handles streaming in terms of what the artists are or are not paid so go go back and check out episode 208 emily we're going to close today with a song of yours before we let you go tell the listeners about this one it's called waterfall yeah so waterfall waterfall i wrote in nashville uh with a writer named levi Hummon and also zach malloy and uh really uh levi came in the room and he said okay i got this idea <laughs> and uh and he was like i want to channel emily's heartbreak And I was like, well, I'm not sure how that's going to work out because I've never had a boyfriend. So that might be a little hard. But um, it was really eye-opening to me knowing that um, just reminding myself heartbreak can happen in any way. And, you know, there can be certain people in your life, like friends, for example, and um, things can just go wrong. And it's heartbreaking when that happens. And so I took those experiences and I just put them down on paper into lyrics. And uh, that was a song that was it it was a new writing experience for me because I've never written about a breakup or anything like that. And so it was very different for me. But um, it was a lot of fun and it was a very, very cool learning experience and just knowing that, okay, I can use these and translate them into experiences that other people might relate to. And so that was very cool to be able to do that. Well, Emily, thank you for making the time uh, to talk with me today and best wishes with everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your time here at NAM and in California. All right. Thank you. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to my guest, singer, songwriter, Emily Faith. Do check her out at emilyfaith.org, and she is on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Don't forget that she is also on Reverb Nation. Her music, just like this show, can be heard on SoundCloud, but do purchase it from iTunes. It is streaming on Spotify. Make sure that she gets the percentage that she's due. Purchase it from Spotify, or excuse me, purchase it from Apple iTunes, because what she's getting from Spotify is not very much whatsoever and uh, mom and dad need more gas for that RV. So go to iTunes and purchase Emily's music there. Our show 
Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. You can hit all those by going to the website nhte.net. If you want to send us a question, comment, compliment about the show, the address is podcast at nhte.net. Thank you for listening. We'll send you out with another song from Emily Faith. This is the one that she just talked about. It's called Waterfall. Got my number, what's this spell that I'm under? It's the only connection we got left. Barely holding together, tell myself that I'm better. When deep down I know that I'm just one big mess. I think I'm over you until that phone lights up the dark. Every time you call, it's like a waterfall I cry like crazy, cause I miss you baby I wish I could stop the rain, let it rain Until that hurt is gone Every time you call, it's like a waterfall Every time